And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 219 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and Andy Darren Ruff made 219 outs for the 2022 Giants. I don't want to pick on Darren Ruff. I just wanted something that was about 2022 and uh, well, sorry, 219 times he came up and and you thought, oh, maybe he'll do something and, and he didn't. Well, and they, they traded him to the Mets for 219 players, so... <laughs> um, you can watch uh, Carson Seymour and uh, Nick Zwack and Thomas Zapucky. And um, I, I think they just picked the guys with the wackiest names in the Mets system. If Rivertown had been in the Mets system, the greatest name in the minor leagues, then, then maybe they would have gotten him. But no, actually, they, they did. That, I mean, that that's a trade that I think is going to be one of the bright spots probably of this season is, is what they end up reaping from that. But yeah, Darren Ruff, one of the things that went right last year that didn't go right this year in a season that is over. It is over. The season is over. The season is over. This is uh, the final podcast of the Bags, final regular podcast of the of the Bags and Brisby season. We will be back when Aaron Judge signs. We will be back when there's a huge major six-team trade that sends J.D. Davis back to the Mets. Um, however, uh, until then, this is it. So what do you have to get off your chest? Um... What do I have to get off my chest? Uh, I was shocked to see that the Giants have never finished 81 and 81 before. Just straight, right down the middle of the road. I guess that's sort of strange. They've played a lot of baseball uh, as a franchise, and they've never had a 500 season before. See, this uh, dovetails in exactly with what I just filed uh, to our editor, Melissa. Uh, I looked up how many times teams have finished 500 in their history, because that also surprised me. Uh, The White Sox have finished... 500 more often than any other franchise. They've done it five times. The Astros have done it four. Uh, You have some teams that have never done it, but there are newer teams, the Mariners, Marlins, Mets, Rangers, Rays, Rockies. The Giants are one of the few teams that's only done it once now. Uh, The Yankees have also only finished 500 once. That was in 1911. And the Dodgers have only finished 500 once. And that happened in 1993. They had to win on the final day of the 1993 season to finish 500. Uh, Don't look that game up. (laughs) Right. 1993 season? What's that? That one comes up on the list, too, because, you know, the Giants had a losing record in 1994, which is, of course, the strike-shortened season. And so they made the list of teams that won 100 games one year and didn't finish with a winning record the next year. 
I throw some of them out, though, because, you know, it's like uh, the Astros uh, didn't have a winning record in uh, the 60-game season uh, in 2020. Uh, there, there was the 1918 White Sox, but they only played 124 games because of a pandemic uh, and uh, World War One. Can you imagine having a World War and a pandemic at the same time? I mean, my God. Anyway, so, so there's only five teams. The Giants are only the fifth team uh, to, to win 100 games one year and then in a full season the next year not finish with a winning record. So, But they had to win 12 of their last 16 just to get to 500, and, and, and they were eight under with, with 16 to play. So... You know, it, it's not really an achievement to say you finished 500, but it's better than the alternative. That is a great perspective with down our eight games under 500 with 16 to play. I had given up on the idea of 500. I thought it was a, a pipe dream. I thought it was as unrealistic as making the postseason. Did the players care about it? Does Gabe Kapler care about it? Is it a nice to have or was it something of a stretch goal for them? Oh, Gabe Kapler cares. He really cares. I mean, he wanted to win every single game. I remember um, I was in the Padres clubhouse prior to the start of this series, and I came over and, and uh, had to tell Gabe something in his office, and and he wanted to know, you know, which pitchers are they going to use, you know, which, you know, what's their plan going to be? We need a game plan for every. He he really 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 wanted to win uh, every game there, and of course they won two out of three to finish at 500. But yeah, I think that totally matters, and that's you talk to him about. Uh, what he's most proud of uh, about the way that the team finished the season. And he goes right to like the preparation. People are still putting in the work. They, they aren't slacking off. They were still preparing for every game with that sort of intense, I guess, uh, detail-obsessed sort of routine uh, that they did earlier in the year. And I think that's that's obviously reflects well on the manager to, to point those things out because that's the manager's job. But, uh, you know, nobody's going to feel good about the season that they had, but, you know, at least it does show you that, you know, there's no doubt that this was a tougher season for him to manage, probably a lot tougher to get buy-in from players who were asked to, you know, to to fill roles. Uh, It's just the way it it goes in every workplace environment when you're told to do things that you don't really agree with. But dissent doesn't necessarily have to lead to dissension. And I think that if there had been dissension, I think it would have been very, very hard for the Giants to do what they did down the stretch. So that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a really, really good point is that it wasn't a lot of checkout. And I think part of that is because a lot of these players had something to play for personally. I mean, if you're Lamont Wade Jr., you have a spot to contend for next year. If you're David Villar, you have to make the Giants think a little bit more about what they're going to do at third base next year. If you're Brandon Crawford, you have to know that the free agent market is just uh, saturated with shortstops. So there were selfish reasons for all these players to do what they did. But also, look, it just no one likes being a losing team, especially after the season they had last year. That had to have been a goal. And I can tell you as a as an analyst outside observer it makes a big difference to me mentally when I'm trying to project what the Giants might do next year it's a much smaller leap to go from 81 wins to the 87 wins of the Phillies for example compared to 80 wins to 87 wins I don't know why it's a mental block but the idea of oh the Giants are under 500 now you're expecting them to contend that's ridiculous but all of a sudden well they were a 500 team and only takes a few tweaks and and uh, adjustments and then then they're contending again. That seems reasonable. It is almost like a, just a mental perspective. And, you know, I, I talked to Gabe Kapler about this. I had a, about a half hour 
conversation with him the other day and, uh, and wrote that up as in a Q&A format, you know, just to get his thoughts on the season and, and what he's learned. And if the 107 win season was kind of like a proof of concept that managing in a very active way with a lot of mix and match personnel can can really lead to success, then how do you bake in what happened this year in terms of like the concept of how you manage games? Uh, and, and so, you know, he had a lot of interesting thoughts about that, you know, but one of the things is he's managed now five seasons and obviously one was, was shortened. But, you know, he's made the playoffs one time. And the other four times, they were right there. I mean, the the Phillies, I think, lost about eight or nine in a row uh, down the stretch. Uh, but they were pretty much in the postseason before that. And, uh, and I think he's managed a total of 17 games uh, where his teams have been eliminated over those four seasons that they didn't make the playoffs. So that's what we talked about was, you know, the difference between being that team that just narrowly misses and, and just getting your foot in the door, because that's obviously the goal. Uh, as long as the Dodgers are in the division, I think that kind of has to be the best case scenario going into a year. So, yeah, he had some interesting thoughts about that. I get that Giants fans are a little grumbly this season, and uh, they have every right to be after a transcendent year in 2021. This has been a very disappointing year in so many respects, but I just don't understand the idea that it's Kapler's fault. And I find that in some corners of the internet. I find that in some dusty holes of Twitter, and I just don't get it. To me, the giant season was they did not find their Darren Ruff. They did not find their Lamont Wade Jr. They didn't get last year's Lamont Wade Jr. They cycled through all these players and if they finished with a, a positive war, it's almost entirely because of Jacob Junis. But all these players that they cycled through, the Louis Brinson, the Michael Papierski, the uh, Willie Calhoun, Stuart Fairchild, uh, it, they just didn't work. They didn't hit on any of them. And then when he had the regression with the veteran players, it was a roster problem. It wasn't a, you know one good decision here, one platoon difference here would have made the, the difference. It was just the roster wasn't good enough. Yeah, well, they, they tried a, a Ford Proctor, they tried a Yerman Mercedes, and if there had been a, a, a Ken Toyota, they probably would have signed him too. But I think that it's, it's you wrote about how the Giants need a marquee player. And when I went in and I looked, I was curious. There's a nice little lineup sheet toggle that you can go to on Baseball Reference and just look at all the lineups that a team has used this season. You want to take a guess how many lineups the Giants used in 162 games? Uh, let's see. I'm going to say 148. Ooh, wow. I think you win both showcases. You're, you're close. 152. Yay! 152. I went under, too. They used, I think, like maybe five different lineups, like uh, like twice, and then they used one lineup five times, and that lineup had Darren Ruff and Steven Duggar in it, so it was early in the year. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's they, they had one guy start 100 games at a position, and that was Brandon Crawford, started 100 and I think 13. But then again, you look at last year, and they had two guys start 100 games at a position. It was Crawford and Buster Posey, 102 games behind the plate. But I do think that, okay, the platoons work, but you need some big furniture pieces in the room you know you can't just have the platoons are beanbags right they're beanbag chairs they're fun everyone likes them they're tough to get out of but uh you know they don't tie a room together you still need a you know a big tv console and you need the big furniture and that's what the giants don't have they, they need the everyday players and then you can work the platoons around them but you can't sort of make the whole airplane out of out of platoons i'm not sure if it, it helps the giants as far as uh 
stay consistent. I don't know. I'm sure they've done some research on it where it's it's, it's got to be hard for Austin Slater to be in one day, out the next, in one day, out the next, and other players like that. Have they talked about that? Or do the Giants say, no, no, that doesn't make a difference at all. That sort of continuity doesn't show up in the box score. We've uh, accounted for that. Oh, I think they look at it the other way around. Uh, if they can make practice as difficult as they can and, and replicate game reps as as closely as they can, uh, then you can keep people sharp. And in fact, you're going to keep them better rested. And I think they look at the performance strain of, of, of running guys into the ground and playing them every day. And uh, they figure you get someone who's more rested in there all the time and is more prepared, they'll be sharper. I'm sure it works the other way around too. Everyone's different. Everyone has different sort of mental acuities or whatever or, or skills. But yeah, I, 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 I do think that, you know, it doesn't hurt Mookie Betts to play every day. It doesn't hurt Freddie Freeman to play every day. I'm sure Aaron Judge, if he signs for the Giants, will not, will not say, I'm going to play on Mondays, Wednesdays, and select Saturdays. I mean, you know, he's, he's going to be out there probably starting 145-plus games uh, uh, if, if wherever he plays next year. Uh, so, uh, by the way, did, did you see the, the WFAN article that Sweeney Murty wrote about Aaron Judge and the... Uh, his his favorite uh, autograph that he got as a kid. It's wild. It's uh, he goes out of his way to say he was in the tunnel near the clubhouses. And and if you've been by the Giants clubhouse, there, there's one area where uh, people can stand, and it's pretty far away from where the players walk. You know, up and down uh, to go from the dugout to the clubhouse. And and frankly, not many players stop there to sign autographs because they're always in a hurry to do something. But I guess Aaron Judge was standing there and. Jonathan Sanchez made eye contact with them, and he came over and he signed their hats. And Aaron Judge said that meant the world to him. And so Sweeney Murty found Jonathan Sanchez in Puerto Rico, told him about it, and Sanchez is like, "I've got, I've got goosebumps hearing that. That's awesome." And he never stopped thinking about how he could have been that kid. You know, that could have been him. And uh, so, you know, and you know who sent me that story? Jonathan Sanchez. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> So uh, I, I'm going to make sure I, I tweet that one out to everybody. But uh, maybe the Giants have a, a recruiter who they can send a, to, to call Aaron Judge and convince him to sign. See, I've been uh, very vocal about the whole Rich Aurelia connection and why Aaron Judge wore 35 uh, earlier in his career. Uh, but this is, this is ascending to levels I could not have imagined. Jonathan Sanchez appreciation. How is he not a giant next year? I mean, I just, it's all coming up Aaron Judge. I think i think it's a 80-20, 80% chance that he signs with the Giants based on uh, not just knowledge of who Jonathan Sanchez is, but an appreciation for his contributions. He says Jonathan Sanchez and Rich Aurelia Stan, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's he's like one step away from... Uh, Eliezer Alfonso references and stuff like that. I mean, this is, he goes deep. He goes really deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but anybody who was there for Jonathan Sanchez is no hitter. Um, I mean, it's one of your best memories as a giant. It's, you know, it's the first no hitter uh, since 1975. A lot of baseball fans maybe are like me and, and you go to a ballpark and you think, is this the day I'm going to see a no hitter? And I know they're not as rare now as they used to be, but, but you know, maybe they actually will be rarer because fewer pitchers will be allowed to finish them. So to have a, a pitcher throw a no hitter without it being sort of a staff no hitter, I think maybe it will turn out to be uh, rare again. But back then it was just like, you know, I, I remember I would neatly fill out my, my scorebook. 
every day and, and write the names in because I didn't know if that's a page I would tear out and frame someday or something because it was going to be a perfect game or a no hitter. And, you know, and I've covered a few of them and, and they're just sitting still in the scorebooks <laughs> in a, in a tr- uh, ch- trunk somewhere. So I haven't uh, framed them or done anything with them, but, but they are very neatly printed out. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I have never been to a, uh, a no-hitter or a perfect game. I've never, of all the hundreds of baseball games I've been to, I have not come especially close. I just am always not there for those games. Have you ever gotten a foul ball? Uh, yes, I've gotten two foul balls. I have oh, gotten nice. two foul balls. I have also uh, seen a leadoff inside the park home run in game one of the World Series in person, Ooh. which I think is uh, much, much rarer than uh, a no-hitter. So it's not like I'm uh, uh, doing poorly for myself. It's just one of those things. I saw an inside the park home run in an all-star game. That was pretty cool. See, I missed that too. That's, that's before I had access. I was just a dirty blogger back then, so I had to pay my way to get into the All-Star game, and there's no way that was going to happen. So I missed that. I went to the, the Fan Fest, and I uh, tried to hit off Barry Zito. The, they had like this simulated Barry Zito thing that I tried to hit off of, and I couldn't. So that says a lot about a lot. And then you're like, now this is why this guy got $126 million. His simulated stuff is just as good as his regular stuff. Yeah, Ichiro hit the inside the park homer in the 2007 All-Star game. And uh, by uh, some miracle, I was the local chapter chair of the Baseball Writers Association that year. So I got to be the official scorer for the game. So it wasn't an inside the park home run until I said so. Uh, but, I mean, come on, it was. <laughs> uh, but back to Aaron Judge. When the Giants sign Aaron Judge, who were they going to pick up to be the left-handed part of the platoon? <laughs> right. Exact. Jock Peterson. Jock, we need you back. You're going to platoon with Aaron Judge. <laughs> I'm going to what? I mean, Excuse he can't me? hit right-handers, can he? No, clearly not. Clearly not. But um, this offseason, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm also dreading it because it's going to be so much Aaron Judge, so much Aaron Judge. And it's going to be one decision. And and there's going to be rumors out there left and right and, and what offers are going to be. And it's just like, it's ultimately going to be where he wants to go. Does he want to go back to the Yankees or does he want to sign with the Giants? Or will there be a mystery team or two mystery teams? He's, uh, you know, there usually is. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, can we just wait and let him pick a team? But, you know, it doesn't work that way. Pirates. Mystery <laughs> right. team. Yeah. Bob Nutting says, boy, I saw that picture of me with the fan uh, who said, you know, sell the team. <laughs> and I thought, I, it, it's high time. It's high time we, uh, we raise the Jolly Roger here along with the payroll and make a big splash. 
Yeah, just go for it, Pirates. I mean, what, it's not like you're going to spend it on other players. Just uh, spend it on Aaron Judge. I think he, uh, who wouldn't want to go to Pittsburgh and play for Bob Nutting? You know, sometimes I'll be on Twitter and they have like the trending topics will be on the side panel. And it'll, it'll say, trending topic, nutting. <laughs> and people, be, <laughs> people will be ripping on uh, the Pirates owner. But a lot of people who click on the hashtag to see what they're talking about are, are, are not really expecting that. Yesterday on the trending topics, I was out of pocket for a lot of the afternoon, and I went back on Twitter, and Draymond and lesbians were trending right next to each other. And I was like, wait, what did I miss? They were unrelated. But uh, the trending topics is always a, a fine source of, wait, what? And I think nutting qualifies for that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But to get back to the San Francisco Giants LLP, you know... Uh, Maybe we should mention David Villar and the season he had. He hit two homers uh, in the final game, and that gave him 36 homers for the season. That is the most that anyone in the Giants organization-wide has hit in a year since that Barry Bonds guy in uh, uh, 19, or, wait, 19, 2004 uh, hit 45. And the Giants obviously haven't had a 30-homer hitter in the major leagues since then. And yeah, I mean, how for real do you think uh, David Villar is? Let me just uh, answer that question with a question. Among Giants who played more than 50 games this year, where does David VR's adjusted OPS rank? Oh boy, gosh, I, I wouldn't have the... How many players had a better adjusted OPS than David VR in more than 50 games? Hmm, I'll go with, uh, gosh, well, Jock, I think, would be one. Is he it? That's it. That's it. Jace, uh, you have J.D. Davis uh, above him, but he only played in 49 games, so that's how I weaseled into my cherry picking. But the point is that VR was one of the best hitters for the Giants this season, and he did a lot of that damage late. He did a lot of that damage when he came back. I don't know. I don't know what you do with VR. He he hit the snot out of the ball in Sacramento. Now you've seen him do it a little bit in the major leagues. He still has a high strikeout rate. There are still some concerns about his contact. He seems pretty legit. He, he seems like a player that you wouldn't necessarily want to pencil in for 160 games next year because you, you would need to have a fallback plan. But I think... He's the least of the Giants' worries at the third base position by default. Now that you have some coverage with J.D. Davis and Wilmer Flores, you don't want them starting, but I think it's okay to have VR as the opening day starter uh, after his performance and you fix the roster elsewhere. He's a guy who I think he's not going to wow you with the stat cast stats. I mean, he's in the 24th percentile for maximum exit velocity. And, you know, Gabe Kapler said this. He's going to hit a lot of wall scrapers. He's not necessarily going to hit, you know, those booming huge home runs. He's not a big, big guy, but he's he's got really thick lower half. And, uh, and he also wears very, very tight pants. Um, and that's an aside. But he, he's, he's somebody that I think has functional power. I mean, it even plays to, to right field. And if, if I, to me, that that's a good sign because, you know, if he's just a dead pull hitter as a right-hander, then you know there are ways that you can pitch him. And there are very few right-handed pull hitters that don't strike out a ton or don't have that big hole in their swing, Wilmer Flores being, being one of them. But, uh, you know, he hit, uh, let's see, he hit whoa, 208 against breaking pitches, 272 against fastballs, 
Uh, I think he had a little bit of luck because his expected batting average was only 136 against breaking pitches. So he's seen what a major league slider looks like. And he knows it's, you know, something that he's going to have to master. And he's been able to make adjustments at every level to be successful. I think you're right. They're probably not going to enter the season and just, you know, hand him third base. He even mentioned uh, when we talked to him after the game that, you know, he doesn't know where he's going to start next year. Could be the minors. Uh, and he's got options. You know, he knows he knows the score. But, you know, I, I think we, we can probably safely say that David Biar is going to be, you know, somebody who's going to have a nice, nice uh, big run of, of big league time at some point. I don't see how you can build a 26-man roster next year where David Villar is not one of the 26 best players uh, for immediate success for the Giants. I get that he has options. Uh, I think the only reason he would go back down is if they thought it was more valuable to get him regular playing time uh, rather than bury him behind someone. I just don't get who that someone would be. I think there would be plenty of at-bats for someone with his profile, someone who has that kind of potential. I'm not seeing a free agent where, you know, maybe Carlos Correa would go to third after saying he wouldn't last offseason. I don't know. But absent that sort of free agent, absent a trade target I'm not thinking of, I just don't see who would be there to block him. I don't think it's going to be J.D. Davis. I don't think it's going to be Wilmer Flores. I think they're going to help the roster in a different capacity. I think it would be VR's position to lose this far as opening day yeah or you know what the giants you know could end up trading him you know it, it's it's possible uh if, if you're trying to you know balance out your needs if they do re-sign evan longoria uh, that gives them a lot of third base options and vr is i think they're going to try to move him around and see if he can play some second base maybe be uh somebody who can move around the diamond a little bit but you know between wilmer and 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 potentially longoria and jd davis they could look at vr and say look we've got a valuable player here but we also are a little bit out of out of balance in terms of our roster uh, for guys who you know basically do what, what what he does or plays the positions he plays. So you know there might be a match with another team that has um, a surplus of athletic outfielders and, and maybe uh, could use a little more pop on on a corner. And yeah, there there might be a match there. That's a good point. That would get me yelled at more than my uh, Camilo Duvall trade idea, because I think you're right. I think when you're looking at J.D. Davis, he's uh, he's under 30. You've got uh, Wilmer Flores isn't exactly an old goat. You've got some guys who can be doing what they're doing for the next couple of years. And uh, maybe if they're not as high on VR's exit velocity and all those underlying statistics, maybe they they do get him uh, to a different organization. I don't know. That's fascinating. Do you think that there's a chance if you have J.D. Davis is the right-handed part uh, of a third base arrangement with Wilmer Flores doing the same thing that Brandon Crawford could move over to third base if they were to sign a Correa, a Trey Turner, uh, a Bogarts. It, would Crawford go to third or would they be more amenable to putting him at second? Oh gosh, they've talked about Tyro Estrada could be a really good third baseman even though they haven't tried him there. But I'll tell you what, the other reason that, that, that it might make sense uh, to see what VR could net you is Casey Schmidt's right behind him. And he's a guy who profiles as a plus-plus defender at third base. And I think that, you know, he's probably going to be an everyday player on the left side of the infield. Strikeouts were still a little high in the minor leagues uh, this year, but, but you know, he obviously moved up a couple levels. So I think there's a pretty decent chance he's in the big leagues at some point next year too. So yeah, I, I just think looking at the, at the volume they have of, of kind of those type of guys, it might definitely make some sense to see what, what they could work out trade-wise. 
I keep going over the list of free agents and I keep looking for the player the Giants could sign and they're all freaking shortstops. And so it's like it's put it's thrown a monkey wrench into my whole offseason planning because if it's not Aaron Judge, it's a shortstop or it's Brandon Nimmo. So then I look back at the shortstops and well, the Giants have a shortstop and it's like I keep replaying the same arguments in my head and they all lead back to Aaron Judge or they all lead back to moving Brandon Crawford off of the position, which has its own complications and problems. I just... Is it a trade? Like, I, I don't get what the Giants can do this offseason to do all these things that we're talking about. Everyday players and and getting someone who's watchable, getting a box office draw. I'm not seeing it. Like, I, I don't know how the Giants are going to thread this needle. Yeah. And, and, you know, Crawford has never played another position other than shortstop. You know, obviously, if they tell him to play another position, he's not going to basically, you know, pick up his large shoe collection and, and walk out the door. But I think he knows what's going on. And, and, and if they do sign like a Trey Turner, I think that, uh, you know, you could safe, probably safely wave enough money at him that he'd be fine to play second base for, for a year and then maybe move to short after that. You know, but a, a lot of these guys, their their defensive analytics are not necessarily great. Even Carlos Correa's had a little bit of a come down year uh, defensively, and he was the platinum gold glove winner, um, you know, just prior to that. So Brandon Crawford can still play the position. Uh, that's that's what we've seen as long as he's healthy, uh, which, you know, is, is a, a longer and longer bet as he gets older. But yeah, the way he played late in the year, it he definitely seemed like he was playing with something to prove. I'm curious to see what the Giants do this offseason because I have absolutely no idea. Do you do you want to hazard a guess? Because I'm, I'm fresh out. Wow. You know what? I, I do think they're going to try to take a run at Judge. I, I do think they're going to be at the top of the market. I don't think they're going to re-sign Carlos Rodon. I think they realize they got his probably career best season and uh, somebody else is going to probably offer him, you know, five years. I think it's a similar evaluation that they had with Kevin Gossman uh, after last year, which is, you know, this is what the market's going to be for him, and we don't want to go there. You know, they could shock everybody and, and make a run at him, but I think that they could really piss off all of New York if they sign Judge and Jacob deGrom, really. I mean, why not? You, you just, just make the whole city mad at you. That's a heck of a prediction. I Well, not prediction, but that is a heck of a scenario. And I think you're right. I think that they are not going to break their uh, aversion to multi-year deals for pitchers, uh, or not multi-year deals, but long-term deals for any pitcher. I don't think they'll ever give one out at this front office. Uh, they don't want to be saddled with a, a big chunk of change toward an aging pitcher. But they've had so much success with the short-term deals, whether it's uh, Gossman, whether it's Rodon, that I don't mind them keeping that strategy and, and going after that. That If it's worked in the past, maybe it'll work in the future. Worked with Alex Cobb this year. They just need to make it up on the offensive side. So I think that they will go after Judge. I think they'll fall short. I think they will compensate with someone who is a lot less exciting, perhaps Brandon Nimmo. And there will be a lot of grump and I think overall the team will be better next year. I think they'll be, they'll win 84 games. I don't know how they'll get there, but I, I think the offseason will be underwhelming even as we're expecting it to be. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if, if uh, Mitch Hanniger will, would be whelming or, or underwhelming. Justin Verlander would certainly be whelming. But uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have choices, but they're not that many choices. And, and one thing I noticed, and I know we're getting to time here, but you know, I, I had Cy Young, right? But Alex Pavlovich had MVP. And so, you know, we bounce ideas off each other. And, and um, 
Uh, one thing kind of stuck out to me is you always have some down ballot guys on teams that were out of contention that are just having monster seasons, and, and you're like, I, I got to put this guy on, you know. There's none of those guys this year in the National League, none. I think um, Hunter Renfro might have the, the best OPS plus of, of any player that's not in the playoffs, uh, or, or maybe uh, maybe it's Reynolds uh, with the Pirates. But I, I have never seen so much of the position player talent concentrated on the rosters of like three or four teams uh, than it is right now in the National League. I mean, it's insane. And that's going to make it hard for, you know, the Giants to find some of those guys on the trade front because um, they're basically all bottled up in like three cities. You ever uh, check out the the Dodgers roster lately? Um, I, Yeah, they're pretty good. They won 111 games, right? 111. Yeah, 111. It's wild. It is wild. They have a lot of good players. I'm just noticing this now. You know, um, Good players are, are, are good to have. I remember when, when the Houston Astros were starting to build up, people were talking about all of the advanced metrics and the that they were using and all of the ways that they were outsmarting the game. And, and I remember Brian Sabian just had a sour look on his face when we were talking about that. And he said, they've got talented players. That's, that's it. That's all you got to do. Have good players. That's it. That's a good philosophy. I'm just looking at Trace Thompson has a 901 OPS and 239 plate appearances. I mean, get out of here. That's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> right. Anyways, this is this has been episode 219 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back when the Giants sign Aaron Judge. Uh, December 17th. That's our next podcast. That's the Aaron Judge podcast. So it won't be at the winter meetings, huh? It won't be at their winter meetings. There'll be a lot of smoke. Uh, there will be no flames. So December 17th, we will be right back here. I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to pre-write an article. What could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Just don't interrupt Christmas dinner like Barry Zito did in 2006. That wasn't fun. Ooh, brutal. All right. This has been episode 219. We will talk to you when we talk to you. See you then. I must break you. Nothing but a G-thang. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.